we're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. It's time for the Vegas Nation podcast with your hosts Heidi Fang and Michael Gelkin. Everyone, it's time for another edition of the Vegas Nation podcast brought to you by STN Sports Mobile Stations Casino. Right now it is a Tuesday and we are here at the Raiders headquarters in Alameda where there was some big news here with the team today in this OTA session with the signing of Richie Incognito and we're going to get into all of that and more but first it's time to welcome Adam Hill to the podcast joining Michael Gelkin and myself to the Vegas Nation podcast. Adam, great to have you along with us for the ride. Well, welcome to the beat. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be out here and uh, good of Antonio Brown, as we uh, talked about earlier, to you know have his you know speaking to the media debut at the OTAs uh, this year uh, after you know missing one session last week. And I think it was big news, even though it was kind of a, a minor deal. But yeah, very cool to be out here. I look forward to uh, joining you guys, not only in the podcast, on the beat, and uh, on Raiders coverage in general. should be very cool. And uh this big season before they get into Vegas, but we're kind of already looking at them as our team. Yeah, and this Tuesday day that we're talking now is a perfect example, I think, of what you can expect, Adam, is that the Raiders, we don't know win or loss, what it's going to be, but they are never boring. <laughs> and the signing of Richie Incognito to a one-year contract, from a football standpoint, certainly you can understand why the Raiders did what they did. I mean, he's, a, as you mentioned, a four-time Pro Bowler, Heidi, uh, someone who immediately joins the mix to start at left guard, which was really the one area on the Raiders starting offensive line that was a question mark. And he's probably the favorite to start there. Uh, Denzel Good, he's the one who has been seen work with the ones prior to Incognito's arrival, but uh, due to an injury, it doesn't sound to be overly serious. Uh, Good was not at practice on Tuesday, so Incognito, despite having just been signed this morning, was working with a first-team unit. Uh, but, of course, as it relates to Incognito, it's not just about football. You go back to his time at Nebraska, there are multiple incidences where he was suspended uh, due to behavioral issues. And it's um, Over the course of time, I think we have a better sense of exactly what those issues are, and it's not just someone acting out. Uh, there's a real mental health situation there uh, for which he has sought treatment. And he was out of football entirely in 2018, while getting some of the help that he felt he needed, and certainly many felt he needed. Uh, and now uh, that he's with the Raiders, uh, they believe he's in the right mental state. He's in the right physical condition, really impressed the team at a workout earlier this month. And now it's about having a plan in place, Mike Mayock says, uh, a plan in place to make sure that Incognito is successful, not just on the field, but probably more importantly, not probably, more importantly, off the field. Because if Incognito isn't getting the help, and structure that he needs away from the field. He'll never be able to contribute to society or on the field or really anywhere else and just be uh, who he can be off the field as well as on. So uh, that's kind of where this move is. It's not just about the football player. It's about the human. And the Raiders uh, signed up for it all by adding Incognito. Adam, we know that he has a checkered pass, as Michael's mentioned. And we were talking a little bit about the Hard Knock show and how perhaps with this cast and the signings that they've had, that maybe uh, this is the team to feature on Hard Knocks for HBO. What do you make of that? And Do you think that right now what Michael was alluding to, all of the issues that Incognito's been through and his mental state of mind, that this is going to 
be any way beneficial for that team to have Richie Incognito featured on Hard Knocks? Well, I think it's it's interesting to find out if they're actually going to to pick them. I, I think the Raiders would certainly prefer to be on there next year, uh, use it as an introduction to Vegas. I think the league would almost prefer that it happens next year. And I think as intriguing as the Raiders are and being one of five teams that can't say no, and if Hard Knocks wants them, they kind of have to uh, accept it. I, I just feel there's going to be so much work done to try to make sure it happens next year as opposed to this year. But this certainly does make them more interesting. And I think Incognito, I think we have to get into all of – the factors that go into, you know, whether you sign him or not, and whether it's beneficial for him to be playing football again, whether they're enabling him to, um, to you know, to do whatever he's going to do. And I don't know if it's better to be playing football. I don't know. I, I've, I think it's a very complex and deep issue. Uh, but I think the first thing to even talk about is him as a football player, uh, because I think the the mental stuff and the off the field stuff is more important. But just strictly from a football perspective, and I, I certainly want Michael's take on this. Where is he? Because he made the Pro Bowl last time he played in Buffalo two years ago, 2017. But he was clearly better in 2016. I thought he uh, tailed off significantly uh, in 2017 and then didn't play at all last year. I don't know where he is as a football player. If you listen to today, you heard Mike Mayock say, hey, everybody here watched him for, you know, you know, basically, you know, two reps and was like, yeah, go. He's good. We, we can sign him. He's in good shape. But I just don't know. A guy that, that you know, was already starting to, to kind of hit the downside – sat out a year, had everything go wrong mentally off the field, and then now is trying to play again. I just don't know where he is as a football player, especially if they're going to count on him uh, to be an impactful player. Yeah, they're entirely different players, but I can't help but think of Marshawn Lynch, who he was had a year away from football, he was retired, and then the Raiders suddenly acquired him, and then it was the same question of what are you getting as a football player. And Marshawn ended up having two really productive seasons, certainly went healthy. He was fantastic. He had finished strong the final eight games of his initial season with the club. And then uh, last year, he had the October groin injury. But overall, uh, he was very productive. Incognito, a year away from football as well, obviously for very different reasons. But, you know, can he come back fresher now that he's away from it? I think it's key to point out, he's 35 years old. He turns 36 here shortly. Um, this is a guy who has a, a tough demeanor about him. I mean, he's been in the trenches a lot, and he's taken his bumps along the way. He adds toughness to the Raiders' offensive line, but how much are you able to get out of him? And if you're the Raiders, do you need 16 games out of Incognito? Because there's a chance he's spent it for the first four or ever how many games to start the year. And so you have him in your system now. If the NFL decides due to past incidences, incidents that they're going to suspend him, well, maybe now we're only talking about 12 games or 10 games. And and maybe they're comfortable about how his body will be able to sustain over the, you know, just a wear and tear that would come with that. So um, I think it remains to be seen. He looked great here on a Tuesday for a guy who was just signed hours earlier, but no pads on until training camp. And I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to answer that question themselves, Adam, until things get rolling in July and August and the preseason, you know, as things pick up from there. Well, we had the chance also to speak with Greg Golson, the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, and I'm very curious to hear what he had to say about Incognito. We will get to that interview a bit later here in the show, but switching gears, uh, wide receiver Antonio Brown, he's somebody that we got to see today out on the field working out, and I think that the offensive wide receiver, the outlook for this team right now it's huge. You have guys like Trent Brown now. You know, if Richie Incognito starts at that guard position, uh, you have a solid offensive line if you look at the people who could be the starters potentially, as well as the 
addition of Tyrell Williams that we've talked about and just some of the draft picks like Josh Jacobs, the offense is really shaping up. So I'm very intrigued to hear what Greg Olson had to say with you, Michael. But what do you guys make about Antonio Brown coming out and our first kind of look at him really working out with the full team here at the uh, OTAs? I think you can have a lot of questions about this offense. I don't think, or this team, but Antonio Brown's not really one of them. Um, as much as things ended the way they ended in Pittsburgh, who he is as a football player, the type of physical condition that we expected on Tuesday to see him in, I think it was all as anticipated. And I think he fits the bill. Uh, you look at the way he sets the tempo from a work ethic standpoint, As obviously as reporters, we only have so much of a window to that. We're not in meetings and we're not in the weight room and that, those sorts of things. But uh, by all accounts, he's uh, setting that tempo and, and guys are following his lead. And so uh, he wants to be great and he has been great. And when you have someone in your locker room who just carries himself that way, it can have a pretty profound influence in a locker room. And so uh, we'll see over the course of the coming months. But I, I think on Tuesday, you know, you see him just after a play, even if he didn't catch the pass, he's talking to the DBs, let them know that he was open, let them know that he's going to still be coming, and then just being friendly with them, just camaraderie. It's all coming from a good place, and certainly his tone uh, was very welcoming to all his teammates. And so just a small snippet, because this is the first time we've seen him practice as media, even though he's been a regular participant throughout this voluntary workout program, a Tuesday OTA last week aside when he was absent, but... Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I thought. Listen, there's no question about Antonio Brown as a player. Like you know, when he's on the field, he's going to make plays. He's going to he's going to be an impactful guy, uh, even if he's not in- involved in the actual play. Like he's going to draw defense. He's going to be fantastic as a player. I-, I think the questions go kind of off the field. We were talking about incognito. We've seen off the field issues. Antonio Brown has been more. How is he in the locker room? Like it seemed like his teammates really enjoyed him so far, but of course he's only been here a little while. Uh, And you can look at the situation in Pittsburgh and say, was it him? Was it Roethlisberger? And I think everybody has their kind of opinions about where that went. But how much of a distraction does he become? Or or if there's things that are going on in the locker room, does it become an issue? And now you start to look at the mix. And when you have guys like Incognito and like Antonio Brown, uh, there's like this whole dynamic of how do they all fit together? Uh, Does Incognito coming in become a problem for Antonio Brown? Not that they're, you know relating all the time they can stay away from each other it's a big locker room but i think all those factors kind of come into play here and so far you know you watch off the field we had the the media session with antonio brown today his teammates are walking by they're kind of you know messing with him a little bit making sounds and they're kind of shouting back at each other that looks good and that's encouraging and i think that's fine but again it's very early in this process and everybody's figuring each other out and where they all stand and it's easy for you know him and Carr to have a great relationship right now because it's OTAs and it's off season. They haven't lost a game yet. How does that all work together? And I think that's that's where the question comes into play. And I think it all ties back in. And I, I wanted to go back to incognito with this a little bit. Is how much does bringing a guy like that in impact this process of of forming the team? We they've talked so much about character and foundation and everything else. Then you have you know guys like in the draft, hey, we're taking these guys because we believe in them as people, as characters, as everything else, building what we want to build here. But then you bring in Incognito. It's like, well, where is where does that stand? Is he maybe just like the sandpaper to you know kind of get everything going? Is that what they believe? And is Antonio Brown that same kind of a, a character? And how do all those pieces fit together? That that I think is the big question. And you know, you don't really have answers on that yet, but you're starting to see some of the, you know, the formation of all of those things right now. And it's a, it's a lot of questions to answer, and, and it really won't play out until we see it on the field. But 
uh, a lot of interesting mix kind of going on with this team right now. Yeah, I think a key thing with Antonio Brown is he was in Pittsburgh for nine years. And so it wasn't like he joined this team, made a Pro Bowl, and things just blew up because he was the type of guy who just couldn't get along well with teammates. I mean, he was there for almost a decade, and it ran its course very clearly and very publicly, and it was ugly toward the end. But it's a couple months in, and I think based on what we've seen from Antonio Brown and how Derek Carr, I think, does a good job of handling different personalities, I don't think this is going to be a problem. And if it is a problem, I don't think it will be year one. I think this thing, and it's a three-year contract, I very easily could see both sides going through this whole arrangement, this contract, and coming out clean on the other side um, from an interpersonal standpoint. And as it relates to incognito, what kind of teammate he will be, Guys in the past, obviously not everyone, not Jonathan Martin, not, you know, you know, you go down that road. But you know, he has, he's dealt with what he's dealt with. But he's also a guy who was voted media good guy one year yeah. for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, he's a guy who uh, certain teammates swear by, and so we often vilify those who have dealt with very public issues. I think as media, as fans, there's a culture there, and I don't think we should vilify Antonio Brown, or we should vilify incognito and you know we'll see about perfect i don't go down the list and i'm not making excuses for these guys i don't know but there's um there's there's a chance here that these guys are going to be great teammates with each other and all a lot of this falls on john gruden his ability to make it work to keep things light to keep guys in the same room together and it sounds like he's done that i think uh, peter keen spoke to john gruden recently and in a q a uh peter keen of uh now nbc sports uh and there was a family feud game that Gruden created for certain players to participate in. I believe Perfect and Antonio Brown might have been on the same team. <laughs> but just finding creative ways to have everyone gel. I think we're seeing that. I think we'll continue to see that. So I'm a bit of an optimist, I think, as it relates to um, some aspects of it. Certainly Antonio Brown, uh, there's a lot of complexity to it when we start talking about Incognito and Perfect. And, and but uh, again, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. I think I'm on the same page with you, Adam. I don't think Hard Knocks is coming to the Raiders this year. I think next year is more likely. But we can all agree that while the Raiders might not be cast for it, they have the characters. This would be an interesting program. And fortunately, if HBO isn't following it, we will. You know, I remember the Golden Knights once said that they were like a band of misfits that came together and that's what kind of fueled their team. In some respects, I can look at the Raiders right now and look at this roster and say, yeah, that's almost the same kind of a fuel here, that, that misfit fuel. That maybe they're not necessarily people with chips on their shoulders, but they are people who do have something to prove, especially coming off a 4-12 and season that the Raiders had last year. And Gruden with the big payday and the 10-year uh, you know, contract and everybody kind of saying, well, what happened in the first year? Well, now we have the new era of Mike Mayock here. And uh, I think that this will definitely be a telling season for the Raiders. You had the chance today, Michael, to sit down with the offensive coordinator, Greg Olson. I'd love to hear his take on some of these big names coming to the team. What can you tell us about your interview with Greg Olson and what did he have to say, particularly about incognito as of today? Yeah, we kind of bounced around on some different topics, but what makes Olson a good person to speak to on Tuesday the day that the Raiders signed Incognito, is that he's coached Incognito with the St. Louis Rams from 06 to 07. Olsen was his offensive coordinator. And this is very early in Incognito's NFL career, but still, you know, he's known him for, you know, 
really long, long time. Uh, he mentions that in the, in the interview and, and gives a little bit of a scouting report, what to expect. And he and I kind of bounce around um, with other players on his offense, uh, including running back Josh Jacobs, tight end Darren Waller, and then also just talk about life a little bit because he was the Raiders' offensive coordinator in 2013 and 14. So he and his family, they're living in the Bay Area. And then Olsen gets dismissed, goes to Jacksonville Jaguars to be their OC. He's there for two seasons. Then he joins the LA Rams as their quarterback's coach for a year. Then he comes back to Oakland. So I asked him just a little bit about the family dynamic of being in one place, moving as a coach, returning. And so, again, Olsen and I speak about a lot. We start with incognito. But one, he's a very good football player, and he has been for a long time. And I've, uh, personally, I've known Richie obviously for 13 years now, uh, and uh, you know I've seen the ups and downs of his career. And uh, but we've always stayed in contact. We've always stayed in touch. There's other teams I've been with where I've reached out and tried to bring him on those teams because you know I have a belief in Richie, and, and I believe believe with the right coaching, uh, he can be a very productive player in this league and a very good teammate. Uh, so. You know, we, we saw the opportunity here. He had a chance to come in and work, to work for us. Um, did a nice job in his workout. He's uh, recommitted. He's gotten the help that he needs, and uh, we're excited to have him on the team. Yeah. Maybe the, the play from the day of Tuesday's OTA's practice was on 7-on-7 seven seven when Derek Carr threw a deep pass to Darren Waller. Pretty tight window. He's able to bring it in, and it felt like a play we've seen Jared Cook make over the years, and obviously Cook's production is, is difficult to replace, but – what struck you maybe about that play, but probably the bigger, bigger picture as it relates to Waller? Well, he's an elite athlete, and there's a few of those guys uh, that you're fortunate to have on the team. And we think he's one of those uh, players at the tight end position. Somebody whose workload in Alabama is 
probably what an NFL coach wants to see, where it wasn't like he was run to the ground by any stretch of the imagination. There's a lot of shred on those tires that remain. Obviously, you have some depth to this backfield. We saw Jalen, what he did last season. We've seen DeAndre and Doug and all that. But that being said, what do you hope from to ask or to be able to ask from the rookie into his first season? Well, we're still a long ways away from playing in our first game, but uh, certainly, you know, based upon where you draft the player, we draft him in the first round, so there's high expectations for, uh, from us. Uh, there's high expectations that he has for himself, and we're going to try and get him acclimated to our offense as, as quickly as possible. And uh, the more he's able to take on, and certainly the more responsibility we'll give him. Uh, and again, we're a long ways away from playing that first game, so. Uh, we'll know when we get through the training camp and we get through those uh, four preseason games just where he's at and whether or not he's he's ready to be the number one back and be able to take on a, a bigger workload. Mm -hmm. You were last with the Raiders before being hired uh, in 2018. In 2014, Derek's rookie season, and there's a few-year period there where you're elsewhere and then obviously coming back to this area. What was that dynamic like for you and your family just to be here then to go and then to return, are you guys living in the same neighborhood, same house as before? Like, what's what does that look like? Yeah, well, I'm very fortunate. You know, I'm fortunate to the Oakland Raiders organization and Mark Davis and uh, really Reggie McKenzie, John Gruden, the people that me brought me back here. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, uh, but I've been fortunate. I've been with three teams now twice on, on you know two different stints with three teams. And again, that was offensive coordinator Greg Olson with our own Michael Gelkin, our Raiders beat writer. You can find all of the articles that Michael writes and that Adam writes as well now on ReviewJournal.com. Look for that Raiders NFL tab and you'll find all of the stories and also in print. So we will always come to you with all the best interviews, exclusives that we'll try to get here for you as the camp and offseason progresses. Uh, next up for us, there's another OTA session. But after that, there will be the mandatory mini camp camp and um, we will hope to get here for that as well in person and bring you all video and photos and everything up to date but uh, as we wrap things up here I just wanted to get your take on maybe Adam something that really stood out to you today from the off-season training yeah I mean I think uh, you know just being out here and you know for me first time out here so that was kind of cool just to kind of experience um, you know what it's going to be like here co covering the Raiders and be up in Alameda but certainly for me all eyes were on Antonio Brown I just wanted to see what he looked like out there and you know we, we saw what we expected I think from him he's He's such a dynamic playmaker. You can see even without the pads and just kind of going through the motions how good he could be. Uh, made a nice one-handed catch uh, during early portion of uh, of the session today and uh, just seeing how he kind of fit in and um, just seeing how everything kind of is starting to blend together and how things are coming together for this Raiders team. A long way to go. And, uh, you know, that's what the offseason's about. And we'll see how... Uh, how things formulate, but I was watching a lot of Antonio Brown during uh, the session today. I know Michael seemed to be watching every single guy all the time, so uh, <laughs> uh, I, know, I know you saw some things as well. Yeah, I, I really, I'm weird, and so I was looking a lot at the backup offensive linemen, just the versatility that's there, because I think that's going to be critical. Injuries almost always happen uh, over for those for that group, and ideally, you're not going to need. A reserve to step in and start um, but chances are you might and certainly step in on a moment's notice and take the field and work be able to work with the starters and we saw Brandon Parker uh, someone who the Raiders drafted in the third round last year at North Carolina A&T was thrown in the fire really unfair to ask him to start 12 games but he did it had his struggles was benched against the Niners he was 
allowing three consecutive sacks, a sack on three consecutive plays against the Baltimore Ravens, and just took his lumps. But you see him on the field Tuesday, and he rotates in with the ones where he sees a, a rep at right tackle, spelling Trent Brown. And the next snap, he's flipping sides, and he's spelling Colton Miller there at left tackle. And we'll see how he gets comfortable in that role, but I think that's going to be a, a prudent, you know, it's going to be of great importance to see if he's able to be that swing tackle. And then likewise, Jordan Davey, uh, former Kansas City Chiefs veteran interior offensive lineman. We saw him on Tuesday work at center. We saw him work at right guard. We saw him work at left guard. He's going to be this year's John Feliciano, somebody who, when an interior lineman goes down, Davey is capable of stepping right in. And so uh, how he gets comfortable in this offense, and working, especially as a center, handling just the mental grind that comes with that. You know, Obviously, Rodney Hudson is fantastic, and he's been a rock. The Raiders haven't needed a backup center, really. Uh, but Davey, it's on him to be ready for that opportunity should it arrive. And just seeing him be so versatile on Tuesday, I think, was a great start. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here on the Vegas Nation podcast. Again, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, ReviewJournal.com slash podcast, and anywhere else you subscribe to your podcast. Make sure to leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Subscribe. And again, we always like to hear back from you, so give us some feedback there. And we are brought to you by STN Stations Casinos. So thank you again for everyone for listening. For Adam Hill, for Michael Gelkin, I'm Heidi Fang.